Well, I would like to cover one, well, two more things, actually. If I already said two more things, I still have two more things. So I guess I had three. This one is going to be very interesting um, as far as timing goes. When I met you, Jane, back in the 80s, you had impressions about, I just want to talk about how close are these some of these events. Uh, okay. And some people think they're 50 years, 100 years off. But you gave me pause to realize that things aren't that far off. Now, I know that the Lord's time is not our time, and he can do whatever he He wants. But I want you to describe for members of the church impressions you had about leadership in the church that I can verify because I was there when you told me back in 1988. But if you could speak to that, what events were going to happen prior to some of these uh, church-related you know, apostasies and trials and all of that. What did you, what did you, what was your impression? What were you told? Okay. Back in late 1984, um, I was asked to return home to live with my parents for a brief period of time to help take over family business. And my my father at that time was the bishop of the ward that I happened to be in. And I'll try to make this brief, but on the wall in the family room was a calendar. And at that time, the people in the bishoprics, the stake presidency, et cetera, had been given a calendar. And on this calendar was printed an image of the church leadership and all the apostles. And one day I was standing there looking at that calendar and the spirit came upon me very, very heavily. And I don't know why, but for the longest time I stood there and I stared and I stared and I stared at the pictures of the apostles of the twelve. And I kept looking at the picture of Dallin Oaks. And I don't know why, but I just couldn't take my eyes off the photo of him. And the impression came into my mind at that time, the day is going to come, and this was in 1984, after he had been called as apostle, way down in the, in, on the lower totem pole end of, of the succession of the apostles. The impression came to me, the day is going to come, then Dallin Oaks is going to be the president of the Quorum of the Twelve. And at the time that, by default, because of the situations and the difficulties that the brethren will have to be able to meet together as a full quorum on a regular basis and conduct the business and the affairs of the church that they needed to conduct, that many of the um, duties would fall on him either by default or he may actually become the prophet. That was 1984 that I was given that deep impression that by the order and succession of deaths of those more senior to him, that he would eventually arise to this position within the church. And it was an, uh, a time marker for me to know when the conditions of the world would decomposed to such a degree that things would start turning really, really bad for the world and for the church, but that he would be groomed to rise up to the responsibilities that would be placed upon him. Now, this, I don't know if this means that Russell and Nelson will pass or if Russell and Nelson will be on, alive on the face of the earth when the Savior returns as well as Dallin Oaks. I don't know. It was mainly just shown to me as a time marker of when things would turn really bad 
as far as the conditions of the world and the conditions for the church. And so it was impressed can... upon me. Go ahead, please. It was so pressed upon me so heavily that I needed to document this, that I literally took my journal pages down to a notary public and had the pages notarized as proof of when I wrote them, because I knew nobody would believe me. Those pages well, that... were notarized in 1987. That's okay. You go ahead. Keep going. I, I keep thinking you're done, and I, do, I don't want to interrupt your flow. I apologize. Not, that's okay. Since so, that time, the apostles have been called home, and this was proof to me that the Lord hand-selects these, these men. I was shown also in relationship to that, that there would be a time when three apostles would die in quick succession before the second coming, and that actually occurred in 2015. When L. Tom Perry, Boyd K. Packard, and I believe Richard G. Scott all died within a period of one year. That has also transpired. And Dallin Oak sits today as the president of the Quorum of the Twelve. And I say these things to you because it's a time and indication of the time that we live in. Now is the time to really, really make sure that you have a testimony and you seek one from the Lord if you don't have one. Because from here on out, it's going to be a rough ride, and we're going to go through many, many things, and you're going to have to have enough strength to ride it out and get through it, or even to be called home as part of the Lord's mercy. And being called home is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes the Lord will take us in mercy so we don't have to suffer through things. I just hope you'll take this seriously, that I have a testimony and witness that these men have been prepared for these tasks and the challenges that will face us in the future. And Dallin Oaks has been prepared as well as Russell and Nelson for the trials and things that are going to face us ahead. But I just want to say that I've heard Jane talk about these things since 1988. For those of you who don't know, Dallin Oaks and Russell and Nelson were called to the apostleship on the same general conference date. I don't know if it was April or October of 1984, I don't remember that detail, but I know they were called the same day. And what they do is, if you didn't know this, is how did Russell M. Nelson get put ahead of Dallin Oaks? Well, it's because Russell M. Nelson was older. And if two apostles are called or more are called on the same time at the same time, the one who's older is placed in first position above the other. So it's by that reason that uh, President Nelson is now presiding rather than uh, Dallin Oaks. But they've both been very close. And I just want to add a few things. I love uh, these men. And I love uh, President Oaks has a special place in my heart for many reasons. Number one, I met him in August of 1978 when I was a freshman at BYU. We got to shake hands with the leaders of the of the school. And I remember I was on the quad between the Harold B. Library and the uh, the bookstore at the Wilkinson Center. And he took my hand and he shook it and he said, brother, I'll just never forget how I felt. I was so impressed with him. And then an article came out in the Ensign about his life and his discipline. And, and he was one of the main reasons that I decided to go to law school was my admiration for him and how he prepared himself for service of the Lord and to serve in the church. And to he's just such a, an accomplished person even back then. And I remember he said in the article that he wouldn't dare to undertake any assignment without praying to the Lord and asking for the guiding influence of the Holy Spirit. 
he'd be terrified otherwise. And he's taken on monumental tasks uh, in his lifetime. He he was the, uh, besides teaching at Chicago Law School, he also was the president of BYU. He was uh, placed on the Utah Supreme Court before he was called to be an apostle. I mean, he's really been a tool in the hands of the Lord. And I know he's been prepared. And to watch him progress through the ranks of the apostleship now to be in the first presidency and the president of the quorum, although he's not active because he's in the first presidency, he's been prepared. And he and uh, President Nelson have been close friends. And I was not surprised that he called uh, Dallin Oaks to be his counselor. It might have seemed like a slight that he didn't keep Uchtdorf in there, but I understand why he brought in Elder Oaks. And Elder Oaks, uh, chances are, I mean, who knows? President Nelson is tough as nails, but there's a good chance, given his age, that uh, uh, Elder Oaks is going to outlive uh, President Nelson and will eventually be the president and proffer the church. But these these things uh, we've I've watched these these things unfold for for 35, 36 years now. And, and boy, Jane was right. Jane called it. And we have seen from the moment that they were put together in the first presidency, we've seen uh, dramatic changes in the United States. We've seen dramatic changes in our culture. We've seen COVID, all these things that are testing people's faith and their resolve. And then you have President Nelson talking about following the spirit and how important that is in our lives. You see it all coming together. And I'm looking at Jane and saying, man, you really called this one, really called it. So uh, we wanted to share that tonight because this has been an important marker for us. And it tells us that certain events are going to start happening and I'll emphasize that President Nelson did say in the coming days, it will not be uh, possible to survive spiritually without the Holy Ghost. And he didn't say in the coming years, <laughs> he said days. So I know that word could be used different ways, but uh, he didn't say hours, but he did say days. You know, I want to move on to one more topic that you touched on before we close today, because this is something that is really amazing. Uh, and that is, your uh, vision in your rather in your autobot experience you saw joseph smith leading people somewhere right yes okay i want to touch on this because this is really an amazing uh prophecy that is if you take the scriptures literally uh, we have evidence of this occurring the first thing i want to point to is something that parley p pratt said when he was returning to Nauvoo after he had been on a mission and he learned while traveling that Joseph Smith Jr. had been assassinated and he was extremely depressed and he was praying to know what he should tell the saints when he got back to Nauvoo and this is what he heard he heard the spirit say to him the following words quote lift up your this is from his autobiography lift up your head and rejoice for behold it is well with my servants, Joseph and Hiram. My servant, Joseph, still holds the keys of my kingdom in this dispensation, and he shall stand in due time on the earth in the flesh 
and fulfill that to which he is appointed. Close quote. Now, if you were to read this, you will see that he was so blown away by this answer of what to tell the saints that he prayed again for the Lord to reaffirm it, and he heard it a second time. Now, I also dug into the Journal of Discourses, and I found that uh, years later, uh, he did refer to this same event occurring and reaffirmed that this is what he was told. So hang on to that for a minute, Jenna. Now I want to go to a couple of chapters here. This is going to be, let me just look it up real quick. This is going to be uh, Doctrine and Covenants, uh, section 103. And we see here a discussion about the redemption of Zion. You might remember that the saints called Missouri the land of Zion. That's where they were going to build the New Jerusalem. That's where, as far as I know, that prophecy has not been rescinded. We expect that to happen. And, and it's my opinion from what Jane saw that that is where Joseph Smith is taking people back is to, to Missouri. And, and we read that here in DNC 103. Let me skip to the verse real quick. I've got to get to it quickly here. This is going to be the Lord's talking about going back. Let's read DNC 103.15. Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and of the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And as your fathers were led at the first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Has Zion been redeemed yet? No, it hasn't. This is me now talking. Back to the scripture, verse 19. Therefore, let not your hearts faint, for I say unto you, as I said unto your fathers, mine angels shall go up before you, but not my presence. But I say unto you, mine angels shall go up before you, and also my presence, and in time ye shall possess the goodly land. And here's the key, DNC 103.21. Verily, verily, I say unto you that my servant Joseph Smith Jr., is the man to whom I liken the servant to whom the Lord of the vineyard spake in the parable which I have given unto you. So if you want to know what that parable is, you go back to DNC 101, which I won't do right now. But it's the parable about having the vineyard and Satan breaks in to destroy the vineyard because the watchmen have become slothful and they've not built the tower. A lot of symbolism there. But the Lord calls upon his servant to call and to redeem the land. And he's saying here in DNC 103.21 that that person who I called is Joseph Smith. So it does not appear that his work is finished. He will be allowed to return and complete the work. And we have that both in the scriptures. We have that from Elder Pratt. And we have an eyewitness who is Jane who saw this occur. Do you have anything else to add, Jane, to this? I don't have anything else to to add to that other than I can attest that it is the truth. And if you read, go read uh, Visions of Glory, you'll read that there's an account where Joseph comes back as well. And Joseph is serving a role, according to the interview that John Pontius did with this person whose pseudonym is Spencer, that he was at a conference and there was kind of a division of labor. The church leadership was running the church, and Joseph was going to go back to uh, build a new Jerusalem. So we do see that as well, another witness to it. 
and and maybe there are others but that should suffice for now jane are there any other things or or prophecies about the last days that you would like to cover in this particular session or podcast the only thing i can really that i really want to reiterate and tell you is the return of the savior isn't decades away we need to prepare ourselves spiritually now we need to follow and listen to our leaders the church of the firstborn is going to arise out of the church of jesus christ latter day saints and the brethren really really need to take their priesthood seriously practice and gain confidence in giving and administering priesthood blessings everybody needs to at this time learn how to listen and follow the guidance of the holy spirit and the many forms and ways that it might be made manifest unto you and learn how to recognize when the holy ghost is speak, speaking to you it's it's what you're going to need to do to survive what's facing us ahead and that's basically what i could say at the end of this podcast right now that's a beautiful ending thank you for emphasizing that brethren you hold the priesthood exercise it let it influence you let it direct you in the affairs of your family your children your wife let it permeate you and don't be afraid you might make a mistake or two here and there it's okay anybody who exercises a new muscle is going to feel some pain but you your confidence will grow and i am a witness to this because I, i've gone through the process i'm still learning the process you know when i was told hold a prayer group with men i just did it i didn't want to wait every time i thought about it i felt so good and once i did it sunday night i felt i felt good because i knew i did the, what the lord wanted and we're going to do this some more and and i want to invite you brethren to join me on these uh prayer vigils we're going to start announcing and and we can have discussions afterwards where we pray and then we're on zoom and people can ask questions and we can have get into discussions after anybody can pray this is a start as elder Uchtdorf said we live below our privileges just think about that and jane thanks again for joining us on this podcast i know you have a lot more things that you can talk about and we are looking forward to having you back on the program to give us additional insights and testimony all right that sounds good i would love to do that there's only one other thing i want to add just as a point of clarity at the end of the podcast to my fellow brothers and sisters time is going to come you and or your children and your grandchildren will see Joseph Smith and dispensation heads on the face of this earth again for the winding up scenes before the Savior's return. And I would tell you, read the Book of Mormon. Second Nephi and Third Nephi to me are the very inner holy holies of the Book of Mormon. And by and through and reading those books and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can have many things revealed unto you that are plain and precious truths from the Lord and give you a testimony and witness of these things we've talked about. And I say this name Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And as you mentioned, I think you mentioned it, there will be others that are coming. We know that Michael is coming as well. Uh, and there's going to be the big meeting at Adam on Diamond. So we have a lot of things coming in the future, uh, all to play their role, all as a part of the gathering of Israel 
the restoration of the Ten Tribes, the return of Enoch, the establishment of the city of Zion, and it's all coming together, and it's here. This, this, it's here. As, as uh, President Nelson said when he was in Rome, Italy, that was the hinge point. So think and ponder about that and get ready for the great and wonderful things that we have before us. Thanks again, everybody. And thanks again, Jane, for joining us on the program. Well, thank you. Amen. All right. Bye now. 